I, I get where you're going with this. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. Welcome to the LVP. This is the podcast where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom in your life. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, my captain, a man who was recently accused of hijacking this very podcast, outlawing lifestyle portions and turning it into a mere business program. What are your thoughts, sir? What is your defense? Uh, I don't even remember when that happened. When was that? I'm saying people are accusing you behind the scenes of turning this into a dry business podcast. What do you have to say for yourself? Uh, probably guilty of that. Yeah. You're, I mean, it's pretty clear, I think, to all the listeners that you are definitely the lifestyle guy. If you guys stick around to the end of the show, we're going we're gonna to share with you some insider goodies about selling one of our companies this week. And we're going to share with you this idea that has really changed the way we and our team is thinking about our business over the last few weeks. So we just want to get right into that. But first, let's talk some iTunes reviews. I went to the uh, the great nation of Canada's reviews. A lot of Canadian fans, Ian. We love we love Canada. Yeah, that's funny. We're we're digging into the Canadian archives. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we, got, we got awesome. We got four new reviews from from uh, our Canadian brothers and sisters. Learn how to grow your business from people that know the new norm. Um, can I rate it six stars? Ron So says, and the most bang for your time on iTunes. Thank you so much uh, for braving braving the treacherous weather in Canada by listening to the LBP. All right, Ian, what do you say we just get started with these uh, these meat and potatoes? We're talking about growing big businesses here. What do you think? I'm starving, man. All right. Well, I, I just want to start with like a little bit of a, a narrative confession, so to speak. So I, I guess like over the last four to five months, I've been a little bit directionless. I've been sort of seeking out to maybe new mentors, new coaches, uh, looking at what other people are doing and trying to figure out sort of what the next definitive step forward for in our business. And I've stumbled onto something that we've been really pumped about and I think is changing the way we feel about that. And part of it is, is when you don't have a really strong target or direction of where you're going, every interaction can kind of be this unique one-off. You know what I mean? Like you're sort of getting caromed. Anytime someone makes a request of you or uh, maybe one of your employees does something a little bit off base and you're like, mm, okay, so I'll deal with that. And then I'll, a customer calls and then I'll deal with that. And I guess that's where like a little bit of my existential angst was coming from, Ian, because I'd bought into this concept of start with the why and like have this mission and help other people and everything. And I sort of lost myself just a little bit, like what was, what was my aim? And because of that, I didn't have a clear and solid vision for every single time I interacted with something or made a decision in my inbox even. Yeah, it's like you step you step off the plane in Vietnam first time, right? You're 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 a traveler now. Maybe you're maybe you're just starting off and it's like, "Hey, you want to go to lunch? Hey, you want to get a dinner? Hey, you want to do this?" And it's like, uh, you know that you know what happens, right? When you become a full-time traveler at first, it's like sure. anything is an opportunity and everything is an opportunity. Exactly. And and I think um, when we were at uh, the Bangkok meetup, Simon Black said, 
the number one business book he would suggest people read is The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. And I thought it was a little bit of a dubious suggestion, but I did read the book and enjoyed it. And I think one of the things that sticks out about that book is the German Reich had this singular focus and unifying vision. And that's something that you see in a lot of successful businesses. It's the same kind of unifying vision that you saw by reading Steve Jobs' biography, for example. Yes. Um, and I think what I missed was that there's two parts to that unifying vision. I read Simon Sinek's Start With The Why, and I absolutely believe it's required reading for entrepreneurs. Um, I, I think it's the top, one of the top 10 business books. Um, you know, it's right up there with Maverick and Good to Great and um, Help Me Out Here, Getting Things Done. Uh, all the LBP, like, you know, we've mentioned these books over, over again. I think Start With The Why has gotten there. But I do think that this whole movement towards strategic operating documents is in line with that, which is you state your mission, you state your operating principles, you state your processes for sort of embodying those missions out in the world. And it's all this really market-faced, customer-thinking thing. But a little bit in that, you lose yourself. You lose that general, that driver, that Steve Jobs character who's like, well, what do you want in the world? Because part of the problem is you get so customer-focused, it's difficult to be a leader. And, you know, when you look at these successful stories, ultimately, at the end of the day, there, there's oftentimes a very strong leader behind these movements. And it's not just the collective customer voice. That totally makes sense. All right. So I, I just want to talk about, like, a couple of the intricacies that have come up as I was trying to create this balance to SOD. So strategic operating documents, again, episode 134, we're doing a whole presentation on, on our documents at our Berlin meetup. And, uh, you know, these are very much about, you know, I was talking with uh, David Hehenberger the other day about a sales call he had. And one of his customers said, well, why would you, you know, not compete with me? And David had like a, a pretty good answer to that, you know. What the cool thing about the SOD took us to this level is like we actually created a process for answering that question. So it's like, no, that's not good enough just that you can come up with a good answer off the top of your head. This is a sort of a critical mindset that your people in your business need to have. And so we're going to write that down as a process on how to answer this type of question. And the fascinating thing about that is I was telling them, you know, we've experienced this in our business, Ian. I'm sure we have people right now that are making full-time salaries in California that I have never met that are making sales pitches based on ideas that I developed. That's because you're a jerk, though, and you don't <laughs> show up. <laughs> we've essentially, what you're saying is we've defined a mission, and that mission is uh, essentially taped up on the, on the inside of the front door. And when you walk in, you read it, and it says, we believe, we believe, we believe. And people act in accordance to that mission statement that the That's company right. has. And everybody just kind of works under that uh, umbrella of, of uh, statements on a daily basis. I was also marveling at the amazingness of, you know, that's why I was like really pushing David, even though it was just him. I was like, hey, you know, that's a great answer. You need to make it, you need to turn it into a diamond, right? Like a, like a perfectly honed answer. You need to write it down on the document because I promise you, if your business is successful, some person someday who doesn't even know you will be saying that and improving it on the phone with somebody else. That's the power of the SOD. But like you're saying, we get lost in that stuff. And so what we've been talking about over the last week is this idea of scope. And what happens is, is like you build this business, you have the money coming in, you create your standard operating documents. And the biggest sticking point that we're seeing in our community right now is people who they start making a good income from their business and they get cold feet. 
they lose that entrepreneurial panache that sort of got them the business in the first place. It's sort of this idea of they're more focused on making a living than building and growing a business. You know, I was just talking to uh, Jimmy Hayes, who's starting the Manal uh, brand of uh, clothing. We were talking about the, his shirt. He's starting a new bag. And he was talking about like just dropping like this big money on a prototype. And I was thinking, man, I, I love that, the confidence he's expressing because me and you, I think maybe we've just seized up a little bit in the last four to five <laughs> months. Don't you think? Maybe what happened to us is uh, you start to make a pretty comfortable living and you start to think, well, this is, it's kind of like one of those I arrive, I've arrived moments, you know? Yeah. Um, you figured out a way to make a comfortable living, to employ a bunch of people, to have a growth plan, to be working upwards. And then you kind of forget like, hey, in the beginning, uh, Dan, we had talked about making 10 million bucks or we had talked about making 30 million bucks or whatever your stretch goal was. Right. And so the stretch goal is kind of within the scope, right? So when you think about the scope in which you're working and which you're operating these companies, one of the things that we're starting to look back at is we're starting to say, hey, we've got a bunch of these different little companies now. Is this going to get us to the goal that we want? Is this going to get us to the table with the guys that we want to be hanging out with? I think within that scope, we're realizing that some of the things that we're working on are a little bit too small time um, to get us to that goal. That doesn't mean that they're not great and that doesn't mean that they're not even growing, but they're not going to get us to our goal. The issue here, Ian, is like it, it gets really easy to get sort of stuck in your trajectory rather than sort of injecting some real strategic rocket fuel into it. And that's what we're talking about with like sort of re resetting the scope and creating what we're actually developing this week called a scope document. Part of the issue for us, I think, is like we always said like we want to double our business every year, right? We've pretty much done that. I, I think we've just about or doubled every single year. And what ends up happening is that it, it, it doesn't, it's not an intuitive growth anymore because all of a sudden the opportunities that you're exposed to are becoming exponential. Correct. So that's why I think like your ambition can't scale linearly. It has to scale exponentially. So I think that that's the disorienting part that I was dealing with. And that's why I was feeling uncomfortable with just focusing on like the next thing that came down the line rather than st taking a step back and asking myself, what are the broader opportunities for us and how can we get that entrepreneurial panache back? Totally. So one of the things that we decided to do to get that entrepreneurial panache back is sell one of our sites. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Dan, this was kind of one of the sites that uh, we'd been working on for the last couple of years. It's making a really good uh, income right now. And it's something that we would have been super happy with uh, three or four years ago, but it's just not to the level where it excites us anymore. And so we decided to sell it. Yeah, I think the idea for us is like focus on the big winners, not the breadwinners. Right. And, and, and that's what we were trying to do at the beginning. So we put a bunch of sticks in the fire and, you know, it's going to depend, like everybody's going to have a different goal for what they're trying to do. But for us, I think we'd like to get to that next level of platform and opportunity. And so we have to do really scary things like sell breadwinners. And maybe take some of those profits and intelligently invest them into more risky ventures that have more upside potential. So let's talk about the structure under which we're doing this really quickly. The structure under which we were clarifying our mission was this document called the Strategic Operating Document, SOD. The document under which we're clarifying our more personal mission is called our scope document. And there's a couple things that we put on our scope document. Number one is stretch sales goals over the next 24 months. 
And this is not linear sales goals. This would be like what would be hypothetically the best case scenario. So we're outlining these stretch sales goals um, in our industry over the next 24 months. And we're asking ourselves, you know, trying to envision our businesses at the precipice of these industries. What would hypothetically be possible? And this has been a cool goal rather than being so us focused and saying, oh, yeah, we're going to double. Well, what does that matter? Like, I mean, it matters much more what industry you're in, what kind of market share you can take from your competitors and those kinds of things. And we got some of that insight last week when we went to the trade show uh, to figure out who we thought our main competition was for our portable bars. Yeah. And we're doing reverse engineering. How many employees do they have? How much? What's their marketing budget? And we're trying to get an idea of like, all right, well, how big is the addressable market? And hypothetically, best case scenario, you know, where could be, we be in 24 months? That should be our goal. So then all of a sudden it becomes this issue where rather than, oh, we're just going to, we're going to sort of roll up our own pancake over the next two years, we're going to deploy all the resources we have at our disposal, which are a bit unclear because they're improving exponentially. And we're going to deploy them in this one focus direction towards, you know, being at the precipice of the industry in 24 months. It's really something that I wish that uh, we did in, in a few of our businesses in the beginning. I wish that we understood enough about this to do that kind of analysis in the beginning before you get into an industry versus being in it for two years. So the other thing that our scope document has on it is what we're, we're talking about is liquidity possibilities. So over the course of three to four years, you know, you're, it's interesting because especially here on the LBP, we talk about bootstrapping. So we're thinking about the business, the customers who are cash flowing our business. But there's a whole other set of customers, which is the ones that we're just getting used to right now, which is the people that would want to buy your business from you. The larger conglomerates, the baller investors who would want to take on your small business as a maybe sort of a, maybe a strategic hedge or maybe they want to bring it into their umbrella of a portfolio. And so these are the ways that we're starting to look at over the course of 36 to 48 months. What are our liquidity possibilities? Um, because that's going to be ultimately um, how you could reach your financial goals. So anyway, just to review the scope document, um, it's got your stretch sales over the next 24 months, your liquidity possibilities over the next 36 to 48 months. And this is going to be very interesting if you're comparing and contrasting separate businesses. So what Ian and I are finding ourselves doing is we're looking at breadwinners and we're saying, oh, this isn't a big winner. We have to move this breadwinner or we have to fundamentally change the way we're doing business because the what, what it forces you to do is, especially if you have a high growth business that's moving along, doubling every year, the biggest cost you have is the ones you don't see. It's the opportunity cost. Yeah. And I just want to add this real quick. Uh, for like the first, I don't know, two, three, four years that we were in business, Dan, I think uh, a lot of guys came up to us and said, you know, you guys are crazy. You don't have enough focus. Yeah. And I always just thought I was like Superman. I was just like, yeah, whatever, man. You're a little bit older. I'm a little bit younger. I, I can run a little bit faster. But I'm starting to really take that focus thing seriously. And uh, I chalk it up to like this. I chalk it up to, um, of course, I chalk it up to cars, right? I chalk it up to having <laughs> a three-car garage. And you got a bunch of uh, fixer-uppers in the garage, right? Yeah. And they might be cool fixer-uppers. But what you really should do is sell all three of those fixer-uppers and buy yourself a brand-new Corvette. Because what you want is a nice, fast car. Exactly. And, you, and the other two bays should have a, a snap-on a snap kit and a dyno. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Just to keep it redneck. Um, I think part of it is at the beginning, your first priority is making a living. I'm just getting used to this idea of leverage. 
it's still this disconcerting, weird feeling. And the scope document is helping me to sort of get my head wrapped around this idea of leverage and to put all these SODs into context. And I've found it. I've been talking about with our team members about it. And it's been really exciting. It's been a way for them to frame up how they spend their time. Because again, the team and the expertise that we developed is our biggest asset. And making sure that we're, because we're all pedaling at the same speed, right? So it's making sure we're in the right gear. And so when one of our bright, talented, educated employees wakes up in the morning, I want them to be equipped with these scope visions so that they know they can be just as discerning with their time as we are. A couple other things you want to make sure you get on that scope document, Ian. Um, you want to be reverse engineering these outcomes. So it's going to really force you, you know, for some of our niches, Ian, if we want to see the kind of growth and if we're looking at liquidity events, you know, sometimes it's like other people have products that are monetizing our customer list better than we are. So we're monetizing our customers with steel, whereas other customers are monetizing them with bits and software and services. And so it, it forces you to really expand your mind rather than, oh, I'm going to sell twice as much steel next year. But maybe um, in order to sort of be more positioned in the marketplace, I've got to think outside of my wheelhouse. And so what we're talking about is reverse engineering those outcomes in terms of units, clients, employees, at what cost basis, um, and looking at your overall addressable market. There's one other philosophical difference that's important as you're trying to stretch yourself in these ways, which is a lot of us are seeking out mentors and coaches. And there's one liability. There's an important distinction, which is that coaches, they take time to inventory you and inspire the best parts of yourself. It's sort of almost like more of like what a psychologist would do. They're sort of enabling you to sort of engender the outcomes that you've got buried inside of you or something. Or, right? or a soccer coach. Exactly. Yeah, that's fair enough. But then on the other hand, you've got mentors. Mentors are people who are like two or three years ahead of you, people that have blazed the trail. And they can turn around and say, here's what that road felt like. Here's what that road looked like. Here's the things you need to worry about. So you're like, uh, you're like Pele, man, don't smoke those rocks, man. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing, when, so we're these like really bright-eyed personas. We're entrepreneurs. You know, we're very optimistic. We're looking to create the next big thing. I think it's very important to make sure that you don't let your mentors overcoach you. Yeah, the distinction that you're making here is, uh, and I'll, I'll be serious about the Pele thing for a minute here, is like Pele had like an on, you know, I'm sure he had like an on, um, an on-field coach that like talks about the way that you kick the ball, you head the ball, you run the ball down the field, and then kind of like more of a mentor, right? Hey, I've played in professional soccer before. This is what's going to happen when you make a lot of money. This is yes. what's going to happen when you lose a lot of money. You know what I mean? And there are two yes. different kinds of people um, that, that you might have in your life. That's exactly right. And, and, and sometimes like in our, in our striving for certainty, we can overvalue the coaching we receive from mentors. So I think that that's, that's something. And I, I try to warn people too, like people who are trying to follow in our footsteps is maybe physical products folks. Like, you know, if you listen to early LBP episodes, we say, oh, you got to set up an AdWords landing page and that kind of stuff. Well, if me and you started a new physical products business tomorrow, we wouldn't take that approach anymore. You know, so that's, that to me is, is the importance in understanding the difference between a coach and a mentor. Does that make sense? It does. All right. So I'm going to let this philosophical thread hang and see what the listeners do to it. I absolutely love, love, love the emails we get from you guys saying, here's what my, uh, you know, 
my SOD looks like. Here's what my scope looks like. What do you guys think or making comments or tweeting us and stuff like that. So thanks for helping us move along in this conversation. This LBP, a little bit closer to the vest. We've done scope stuff in the past, but we have had one of those sort of think maybe making a living over the last five months kind of thing. And I think me and you, Ian, we're going to put a lot of our sites and our businesses on the blocks over the next few months. So look out for that. We might be selling some of our stuff if you want to buy some of our um, some of the properties that we're not going to be focusing on that are still great little businesses that might be able to be grown, but not in the context of the scope that we're currently working on. Yeah, buddy, head over to Empire Flippers. That's the new AdSense Flippers oh, okay. guys' sites, Joe and Justin. And uh, one of our sites is for sale hanging out over there right now. Speaking of changing your scope and addressable marketplace, what a great case study is going from AdSense Flippers to Empire Flippers. Freaking beautiful. It's just all one right. word difference. Yeah, all right. Let's get moving on to just the tips. Got a quick one for you today. Ian and I are both huge fanboys of Mitch Joel. They call him the Canadian Seth Godin. Check out Six Pixels of Separation podcast. If you love the LBP, you'll love uh, the Six Pixels show. It's just classier, smarter, and doesn't have many dumb jokes. But otherwise, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's freaking money. And uh, Ian, you know, we're going to be interviewing Mitch Joel about his new book on the LBP in the the next coming few months so. that's what i heard we got in uh early addition to his book yeah hey i want to give a shout to our boy like alistair uh you know ian we are past the age where we can identify cool music at this point we're sort of out to pasture listening i was at this uh uh like sort of music bar the other night and they were playing like all these mid 90s tunes that we went like to high school with you know? yeah and i was thinking oh this is probably what it feels like my dad feels like when ccr starts playing <laughs> Would you, you know, I'm, I'm almost to the stage where I'm buying the same pair of white Reebok classics every year. Yeah, buddy. All right. This, this is speaking of, this is for the one for the cool kids. This is James Blake. Limit to your love. This is a limit to this podcast. We'll see you guys next Thursday morning. Booyah. There's a limit to your care. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list. Check it out at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you immediate access to episode 1 through 100 of the LBP. It is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We'll see you next Thursday morning. There's a limit to your love. Like a waterfall in slow motion Like a map with no ocean There's a limit to your love Your love, your love, your love Yeah, buddy! <laughs>